first people on the earth were black people. Because anthropologists, white anthropologists. So the white people go, that could be true, you know. Yeah, Dr. Leakey and them found people remains five million years ago in Africa. You know them motherfuckers didn't speak French. So black people, we the first people had thought. Right? We the first one to say, where the fuck am I? And how do you get to Detroit? This is Recorded Podcast. Here with another edition, another day, another podcast. I'm here with a comedian extraordinaire. Um, somebody you're going to know very soon if you don't know already. Please introduce yourself. Oh, this is your boy Daryl Dam, man. You know, comedian Daryl Dam, that is, man. If I ain't Mr. Funny for real, Mr. Million Dollar Comedian, man, if I ain't funny, you slap the shit out of me. All right, all right. So, just like everybody else, uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up at? I'm from Atlanta, man. Straight. I ain't no Grady baby, but I've been here for about 30 years now. <laughs> 30 years, 30 years. So, how is it growing up in Atlanta? Oh, man. Definitely has changed. Like, I've been here long enough to remember when 85 was three lanes on each side. Well, no, two lanes on each side. You feel me? I remember when 20 was one lane on each side. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm from that part of Atlanta. But growing up in Atlanta, I'm saying it, it's, the beauty of it is, like, if you want to stay out of trouble, you can. If you want to get in trouble, you can. You know what I mean? Whatever you're trying to do in Atlanta, you can do it. You know what I mean? You just got to understand there's repercussions and you know, it's a poor decision making in Atlanta. Yeah, I think, like, Outcast is like prime example of that. They didn't right. want to be like they knew people that was doing street right. shit, right. but they wasn't really trying to be on that. They yeah. could rap about the things around them, but they was on music like that was their whole focus. That's what you gotta have down you, in Atlanta. You gotta have something to focus on because if you don't, this shit will suck you in, man. For real, this it's like man, we got so many, so many beautiful women. You feel me? It's so many drugs. It's so many, you feel me? It's so much music and shit pumping, pushing the drugs to try to get people to do them. So, you know, it, it's definitely, a, you know, it's an avenue for everything here in Atlanta. You know what I mean? If you want to be a good guy, you can be a good guy. If you want, if you don't. But once you get caught in that drug life, yeah, it's over with. And it never stops because you're going to be chasing that shit forever, trying to pay bills, and then you're going to prison. Yeah, yeah, and what I love most about Atlanta, and I've been here for like 12 years now, mm-hmm. is that the blackness of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's like no other, like I was born in New York, then I was raised in California, lived different places, but Atlanta's like to and through black. It's like right. one of the few places I see, you know, I said before in a podcast, like a driveway with a landscaping company, a driveway with an electrical company, mm-hmm. big houses, mm-hmm. black people. Yeah. Big out, they ain't just you know politicians and nothing like that. They they yeah. got yeah, it out black, the mud. Black, 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 uh, Atlanta probably got the most rich and you know well off black people in the country. You feel me? Like because like I said, like whatever you want to do in Atlanta is enough people to make it pop. You know what I mean? Like uh, like uh, I was just watching a Revolt Summit with um with Dave, with not with David Banner, but with uh, Kill- Killer Mike. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how he did the, uh, the, the, um, the airports. That was just dope to me. And that just, like, affirmed, you feel me, how black this, this city is, man, to the point where, you know, black people making decisions here, man. You know, it's some, it's some white, you know, it's some white undertone, but uh, those course. white people is cool with black people. And that's all we give a shit about. Yeah, yeah. So Atlanta, I mean, it's just all the way just great. So you being a comedian, how was it? Growing up, did you develop jokes? Cause school is fucking cruel. Like mm-hmm. that's where like you either gonna get made or broke, or you gonna get broke and then you gonna become great. Right. Like how was it for you cracking jokes and everything uh, on the playground? Not like when I okay, I'm gonna go back to when I first came to Atlanta in '89. Um, when I got to the school, like you know. My mom, I'm, 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 a, I'm a real confident dude because of how my mom raised me and my brother. So I didn't really deal with bullying. You know, I, it was joking, joking. What You know how some comedians say, well, shit, I had to joke my way through high school. That's how I kept people from fucking with me and blah. 
I never had that problem. Like, I was the popular dude, you feel me? Like, I could play basketball. I, I could play every sport really bad. Basketball, baseball, football, wrestling, I did all of them. So I had a, a level of, you know, like, clout in school, if you will. So by the time I was 11, I used to dye my hair. I used to dye my hair uh, honey blonde. And people started calling me Sinbad. You feel me? Because my hair was blonde, I was a light-skinned dude, kind of fat. You feel me? So everybody started calling me Sinbad. But, you know, I never never thought nothing of it. I just like, okay, they think I look like Sinbad. But as I got older, like, the comedy part of me kind of became front and center. Like, I always been fun, I always been silly. But by the time I was about uh, 14, 15, that's when I started to realize that I could get a reaction from being funny. So in school, shit, I used to, I, I like, while everybody else in class, I asked my teacher, can I uh, go to the bathroom or something? And then, you know, I know where my friend class at. So I'm gonna run by his class and slide on my chest and scream, whoa! <laughs> and hear the whole class laugh, jump up and take off running. Like, you know, it, it, it never was really hard. Cause like, I was slick a bully in the sixth grade. You feel me? And then when you get to junior high school, it's, you know, everybody too big. You can't really be a bully because the big people don't like bullies. You feel me? They find out you're a bully, they're gonna fuck you up every day. They're gonna mess with you every day. So, you know, I had to kind of chill out with that. And I used to suck my thumb, so can't really be a bully sucking your thumb. But doing comedy, like just, you know, I've always been a funny dude. Like, I, I, one thing I will say, I've always been able to walk up to any group of people, no matter where I'm at, and I can make somebody in that group laugh, if not all. So, you know, it's, it's really a gift, man, that I'm just trying to harness until I can display it to the world. And it really is a gift to be able to get people to laugh, like, because that's a really, really hard thing. Like, comedians have, like, the hardest job. Man, like, you got to take into consideration, we have fell in love with something that more than 90% of the planet is scared to do, which is public speaking. You feel me? That's number two on the list for man's greatest fear. The other one is, like, skydiving or some shit. Yeah. But... For the most part, people do not want to stand up in front of people and talk to them. And that's just talking. Like, people don't want to stand up in front of people and say, Hey, how you doing? My name is Tupac. I'm not dead. I'll be back in February. Hey, they don't want to do that. You feel me? But I, we took it to a point where we're like, Okay, I'm in front of these people. I'm going to make them laugh. And not only am I going to make them laugh, I don't have no help to make them laugh. You feel me? All I got is this microphone, this stage, and this light. That's all I got to make them laugh. And if I stop talking, I'm going to lose them. They may boo me, they may start talking, and not the show is shit. So, it's definitely a craft, it's definitely not easy, you feel me? It's, like I said, it's one of the most feared things to do amongst humans. Yeah, and then you have to have, like, supreme confidence, but you already said you have confidence. Yeah. And then with you stating that it's, like, the number one and number two, what are your thoughts on, like, comedians being really, really smart? Because it seems like most comedians are naturally smart people. Mm. Maybe they didn't take a school route, but just far as picking up, like, I read a paper, I look at articles, mm. I clip nowadays clips, YouTube. Uh, do you feel like being around comedians and even yourself, like, that is true about definitely, being definitely smart? Because, yeah, because, like, you, 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 you got to be smart, you feel me? Because, like, we've mastered the art of doing something that many people can't do, and that's talk. That's like this is what a comedian does on stage. Talks, assess how the jokes are being received, determine what will be the best next joke, load it in their brain, you feel me? Under the timing structure of setup, premise, punchline, you're doing it all under this timing uh, setup and then go into another joke and we doing all of this while we're talking. Like, that's not easy. Like, I'm, I tell people all the time, like, I'm probably nothing like you think. Like, whatever you think of me, I'm probably the polar opposite. Like, people look at me, they think I'm a hood nigga, I'm gonna be out in the streets, all that shit. I don't hang in the streets, I don't hang out. You feel me? If I do go to the club, it's because a celebrity asked me to. I don't just, you feel me? Like, I didn't taught myself the law, I didn't taught myself the constitution, I didn't taught myself case law. I done taught myself about religion and, you know, I, 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 I've taught myself so many things that 
have made me a weapon because like I, I I'm one of those guys where I believe in the art of war. You feel me? And I know we at war right now, whether it's obvious or not, we at war. So in my mind, the art of war is to understand your enemy. You feel me? You can't just attack him if you don't know what his capabilities are. You feel me? So me, I stepped back and was like, okay, black people getting killed, nobody going to jail, we marched for three days, and then it's done being talked about. What can I do personally to help in whatever way? Because see, like, the reason I taught myself the law and the reason that I still dress like a hood nigga is a part of a of a plan and a scope. It's like, okay, if I look like this, with this education, this will help people in the community because now the police will be like, okay, last nigga we fucked with that dressed like that, that nigga knew something. I wonder if this nigga, nah, this nigga might know something, I'm gonna leave him alone. That's why I do what I do. Like, I know the law, like, I got a lawsuit in the, in the making on, for Rockdale County, you feel me? Like, and it's not even no serious shit, it's just some violation of the Constitution stuff. Like, I never had a driving license, right? In, in the Constitution, it says you don't need a driving license. Then there's case law that back up that. You feel me? Like, in the Constitution, it says the rights of the citizen to travel upon the highways with their, with their, uh, with their goods, be it horse or carriage or, or uh, automobile, is not a mere privilege, but it's a right. You feel me? Like, we have the right to travel. Then Murdoch versus Pennsylvania says no state can take a right, turn it into a privilege, issue a license and a fee for it. And if they do, uh, uh, Birmingham v. U.S. says that the citizen can ignore the license and engage in the right with impunity. Now you take like you were blowing my mind with that. Like that literally is like comedian like so if anybody ever thought like, oh well, maybe that's a saying, obviously he's proven right here. Right. They're really, really smart. Like on another level. Cause I would imagine you have to be smart that like, let me look around, let me look at this crowd. You look like you if I said one joke, maybe you didn't like that. Maybe I should switch it. They're literally doing all of this right. to be successful. But believe it or not, when we're on stage, well, the good comedians, you feel me? I like to consider myself one of the good comedians. Definitely. I'm not, I don't focus on one person unless the majority is not laughing. If the majority is laughing, like if it's 80 people and I got 70 of them laughing, I can care less about the 10 who not. Now, if I only got 10 laughing and it's 80 people, it's like, okay, what, what, what can I say to get the 70 to laugh with these 10? You feel me? So it's like, it's, it's just, you know, but, but I'm, I'm at the point in my career where I know how to make people laugh. Like, it's a difference between being funny and knowing how to make people laugh. Like, people don't get, like, people actually downplay comedians and be like, ah, man, oh, you still doing your little comedy shit? It's like, nigga. Whatever you doing, I could be trained to do. And I probably could do it better than you. I guarantee you a hundred dollars to a bucket of shit you couldn't do what I do on your best bucket. And what you saying is very, very true because for me, like I think I'm funny and I'm like, oh well I can make a lot of people laugh, I'm always the funny guy, class count, mm -hmm. all that. But going to Uptown, the old Uptown by the strip club, mm -hmm. I went there and watched a writer for a very big show, Bomb. Amen. You know, and it's just like, and then, you know, the other comedian came on, and I like that, you know, a good comedian seemed like they defend the other ones because they know mm -hmm. that shit is hard. Right. That shit is really hard. Yeah. So it's a difference between like writing, like it's like battle rappers. They can't really become rappers sometimes because they only know battle style. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't translate right. to a Drake level right. of a song. It only right. translates to. A few hood niggas and maybe a few girls that like that style of rap. Right. But far as making it big, and one, Hot Sauce, Skip to My Lou. Skip mm -hmm. to My Lou made it to the NBA, mm -hmm. but he was one of the lowest levels right. of the NBA because yeah, that yeah. cool shit is totally different from they the big to, what, shit. What got Skip in was the fact that he could take instruction. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Like, he wasn't, he wasn't one of those dudes that had to do all the dribble shit that he was capable of doing. You feel me? He could he could be put in a uh, in a system of basketball and know how to at least play his role. You feel me? So that's what kind of gave him his, his his break. But with comedy, it's like, man, don't nobody really like we make it look so easy. 
Like me, I don't even write. You feel me? Like I've like I I may write down a topic or write down something that was funny that just happened, but I'm not writing it down and keeping it and knowing where it's at. I just wrote it down so that my eyes can see it, and once my eyes see it, my brain get it, and now it's just in the pot. You feel me? It's in the pot of ideas. And when I get on stage, if I'm in the mood to tell jokes, I'll tell my jokes, but a lot of times I just be in the mood to get up there and have fun. And when I'm up there having fun, these jokes will just pop out in conversation. Like somebody might say something or do something or have the right outfit on that's like, okay, bam, this is where I'm gonna bring this joke out. But I'm not even, I'm not gonna stop and be like, okay, that's what I need. I'm still talking, making people laugh, but I done seen this motherfucker like, okay, boom, that, oh yeah, that's how I'm gonna roll right into that joke. Yeah, yeah, dude, why I get dead? I know who shot people. Let me tell you about the time I ate a cat. Don't you look like a cat, bitch? It doesn't really look like a cat, you know. Yeah. And that's what you like. That's 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 not no easy shit. But like we we do it effortlessly, man. Because yeah. like I've been doing this shit eighteen years, man. Man, it's it's just like, and I really like what you said about like the Nipsey hustle. Like, well, what you said about how you look, but compared to your brain, because. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Nipsey Hussle fan, same birthday. I got to meet him in January mm. outside of his store. It was like literally the craziest shit in the world. Mm. I told you on the last podcast I had, if you listen back with Rita Harper, and it just is like, he knew that. He knew what you were saying. He knew, let me bang the hood. Let me do certain things, but also give you so much game. Because mm. yes, I am proud of my neighborhood and what it gave to me. And that's why I say about different gangbangers too, like, who am I to tell somebody, you know, you shouldn't be with them, you shouldn't do that, if they gave you food when you didn't have nothing, right. if they fought for you, if they were your father, if your parents or grandmother, whoever, wasn't doing well, they strung out on drugs, they abusing you, who am I to say, like, oh, you shouldn't be with them? Right. Niggas is going to the wall yeah, for, like, yeah. anybody that looked out for them, like, yeah. in a rougher of time. So, like, I'm never, ever, ever going to bash somebody like, yo, you shouldn't gangbang. And that's what Nipsey Hussle, he really knew. He said, how can I, like, get my people to see, figure it see, out? Like, like, when it comes to Nipsey Hussle, it's really, in my personal opinion, and I done traveled all over the country. I done been everywhere. and You name it, I done probably been there. But... It's only two real gang cultures in America. Everybody else just wanna be. You feel me? Everybody else just trying to imitate. Mm-hmm. Chicago, LA. Them the only two gang cultures where you can literally be born mm-hmm. wearing crip colors. You feel me? Like you could be born and your dad might bring a big ass crip flag to wrap you up in. Exactly. You feel me? Exactly. So it's a culture. Everybody else just 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 trying to follow what seems cool, you feel me? Like, I'm, I used to gangbang, you feel me? But now, because of my mindset and I, my study of the art of war, it's like now I pay attention to things that fuck, five, seven years ago I wouldn't have paid attention to, you feel me? Like, yeah. unconsciously, I can tell if a person is left or right-handed. I can, and this is just for, you know, fighting and combat reasons. Like, I can tell, I can, just from the way you walk, the way your arms swing, I can tell if you're right or left-handed. I unconsciously pay attention to whether you walk on your toes or on the flats of your foot feet because people walk on their toes are ready to come forward, people on their flats. Somebody walking usually. weird with a gun on them. Right. They got a little bop to them or, it, or right. they ultra-confident because mm-hmm. it's like, they right. know they, I'm ready to they set this bitch. swagged out. they like, yeah, I'm ready to set this bitch off right. at any minute. Like, it ain't worth it because then that, when, them, when they get to prison, they get a husband. Exactly, and that's what I try to teach my nephews. We went to a Polo G concert, mm-hmm. and I said before he come on, make sure you know where all the exits is at, because mm-hmm. if we got to break out, we're going, yeah, and yeah. ain't nobody going to have time, like, hey, run over here. I'm trying yeah, to it was you. like that, where you felt like you yep. might go down? No, but I'm just always like right, that. Right, right, Being right, right. born in New York, and my dad raised me like that, like, hey, you got to, like, yeah. You never know, but gotta even be on ten at all times. Even, but even Walmart nowadays. Yeah, man. You gotta fucking look around in Walmart. Like yeah, yeah. you literally have to be on guard. No, anytime I see white people, anytime yeah. I see white people, forty and younger. Yeah, I, I'm talking, about, and I'm not even being saying that as a joke. White people, forty and younger. Mm-hmm. When I see them walk into anywhere that I'm at, mm-hmm. I look at their hands first. I don't get. Once I realize they're white, I look at their hands. See what's in their hands. If they got a book bag in that thing, in that type of shit. 
Because I'm one of the type of dudes that I run over and grab and put him in a choco if his gun not out yet. Yeah. Now if it's out, I'm gonna be like, whoa, we got a gun! <laughs> and I'm out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, it, it, it just, it's like that now, and you know, you just gotta let people know, like, the younger people that they don't know, I said, like, when we in the car, make sure you give yourself enough space that you can break out. Don't be all up on the bumper, you know, mm-hmm. and make sure your doors is locked. Make sure you playing the mirrors. Make sure you looking around. And it shouldn't have to be like that, but shit could go down. And yeah, you yeah. don't want it to be you. You really don't. And I love, you know, I love them. They my family, so I'm trying to teach them. They grew up well, and I thank God they didn't grow up like all. They grew up spoiled. So it's mm-hmm. like, shit, let right. me give them game because they are the perfect, like, uh, I forgot what they call them, but the perfect person to get got. But okay. they call it something in prison. I think Vic or whatever, yeah, like yeah, victim, yeah, they, they yeah. like the perfect because they don't know. Right, they you, you pull it, yeah, I, man, I was raised like, if you got money, if you got a $100 bill, put the $1 bill on oh, the top of the fold so if anybody watching them pockets, they right, think this dude got like $3, bro, you might have 300 $400, $1,000 on you, but they look, man, this dude ain't got, got no bread. You know, I mean, but it's just like certain things that, you just gotta. It's just growing, growing up, man. As a black person, man, like, like I tell, I tell women all the time, like women who be got got Google and their kids, man. I, I be like, hey, listen, man, it's cool to do that shit from birth to three, but after three, you have to at least start trying to plant seeds in this motherfucker to be a black man in America. Mm-hmm. Period. That's dropping them game. Like I be dropping my kids game. Like I tell, like. They mom is is into the religious thing. I don't believe in God, the devil, heaven, hell, Muhammad, Moses, Abraham. I don't believe in none of that shit. Cause I I know it's all fake. So I tell them that hey, if you want to believe, if your mom convinced you to believe in it, believe in it, whatever. But believe in yourself first. Know that ain't shit gonna happen until you make it happen. Whether it's good or bad, you gonna have to be the one. You can sit around waiting on shit to come out of the sky and waiting on shit to happen, yeah, you're going to be 65 when the shit happen, and you're going to be too old to fight. You yeah. feel me? Like me, I'm at the point, I'm, I'm like, I've been planting seeds about running their own business, and, you know, since they were knee high to a grass, four or five years old, hey, nah, we run businesses around here, we ain't trying to get no job, and the only way you go into college is if you fucking get a free ride. I'm not paying for that shit, you're not paying for that shit, because that shit does nothing for you, because... If we're going to keep it a buck, you really don't use shit after about the fourth grade. You feel me? You ain't never used pre-algebra. In certain countries, they stop at ninth grade. That's what I'm saying. They almost at the fourth grade level. They stop at ninth grade. Exactly, because they know all the rest of that shit is just a hustle. You feel me? Because it comes a point in your life where no matter what, no matter what you've been learning, what you've been taught, it comes a point in your life where you're going to be looking for something that makes you happy to do it. You feel me? And once that happens, then that's when the doors open. Like, see, me and my, like, my mom never really forced us to go to church. You feel me? And that's what a lot of women do. Like, if you go to the church, it's majority women and the kids that they make come. You feel me? And when you make the kids come, they're, like, without knowing it, they're being indoctrinated. You feel me? To believe in some shit that can't be proven. Like, no matter what, like, I get into it with religious people all the time. You cannot prove that shit. No matter what, at at some point in this story, you're going to have to either make up some shit or just say, I don't know. And I respect the ones who say, man, I don't know. That's a good-ass question. You yeah. feel me? But then some people are like, no, because the Lord knows exactly. I'm like, because, well, the Lord knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-known. Why the fuck would he create something to rival? Like, if you knew you was all-powerful, you had all the power, you knew everything, would you create somebody who would be as strong as you, potentially, when it comes to your chosen people? Come on, man. Like, black people don't ask questions. Like, me, I'm a question motherfucker. And that's something that my uncle taught me. My uncle always told me, hey, the only dumb question is the one you didn't ask. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So, if I got a question, I'm going to ask that shit, man. And, you know, it rubs people the wrong way sometimes, but hey. And, I mean, people listening, they might rub them the wrong way, but for me, it broke down for me. Because I used to be into, like, religion really, really heavy in the mm-hmm. church and things like mm-hmm. that. But what it is, as you get older and you learn and different things, is that sometimes you maybe become spiritual and you think of certain things. But a comedian, Andrew Schultz, 
Andrew Schultz, because mm -hmm. I always want to give people their credit. I never want to steal from nobody. Mm -hmm. He said, what it is is religion. They all teach basically the same thing. Ain't no basic. It's peace and love. Like, wait, Not just that. If you get into these stories, like if you get into Buddha, you get into Catholicism, you get into the Tanakh, the Quran, the Bible, all of them have a savior who had 12 partners. The savior was born on Christmas. He died and rose again. All the same story. All, every single religion. All this shit came from white people, man. It's like, for black people, it's like, how can you accept something that was forced on you? And you know it was forced on you. Yeah. And you trying to ignore the fact that it was forced on you and say, no, nah, it wasn't forced on me. Nigga, it was forced on you. No, it wasn't forced on me. I chose. I'm like, okay, so where did these stories even come from if you chose them? Yeah. Like, what no, what no fucking books on no goddamn slave ships, man. And yeah, it's just, and then like when people, I don't mean to cut you off, oh, bro. Yeah. But like when when like black people not even understanding, like the first slave ship was the 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 great ship Jesus. That's that's the first slave ship was Jesus. So what black people don't know is that when they start hearing uh, other slaves talking about Jesus coming back, they wanted them to come back and get them. You feel me? That's why they waiting in the water. Because they waiting on the fucking ship to come back. They're not thinking about nobody coming out the sky. They're like, man, we want the great ship Jesus to come back so we can go home. That's all they wanted. They weren't thinking about nothing else. Man. And that's what he said. Like I said, I consider myself more spiritual because it's like, I mean, I choose to like say that, hey, it must be God that created these things. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what God really is. Like no, I'm just like we created this shit. I, like I'm like it must be. But for me, what the dude Andrew Schultz was saying that is like a lot of people come from broken systems and they need something to believe in. Right. That's why even when you know That's uh, what did to the slave. Twelve Years a Slave, mm -hmm. the movie it was like teach them these parts mm -hmm. in the Bible mm -hmm. that they supposed to obey because mm -hmm. it's in this book and you know who read this book and different things like that but he was saying like that's why they need that certain people from broken situations need that and he said i choose not to really believe in these things andrew Schultz, he, said, he was we like we from broken yeah situations. but they need that like with all these different like when the man go to jail well i i'm at rock bottom now well let me change my life and find religion and i mean it helps and i respect with anybody, you know? right? It's if it like, makes yeah. you treat people nice, if it make you want to treat your kids nice and your neighbors, yeah. and want make you want to be a good person, by all means, do it. But then, yeah, but if you gonna come to me with, yeah, you gonna have to have a little more than, hey, you just gotta believe. No, nigga, I want to know where Jesus at. And I'm glad you said that too, because we also gotta learn how to disagree without getting all right. bad. Like they, if if me and you walk out of here today, and I'm a staunch believer. I should still have my beliefs and you should still have yours, exactly. but we, and what you brought up, you keep bringing up stuff that is relevant to what I'm even thinking too, with the Revolt Summit, Killer Mike wasn't bashing Candace Owens, he's teaching, and he's all, like, and he knows what he's doing, like mm -hmm. you say, how you dress, he knows, we are really in some fucked up times. Oh, nigga, people. listen, man, I'm, I'm with, like he said, when he talked to Dick Gregory, like, I done met Dick Gregory before too. Nigga, Dick Gregory was probably the angriest nigga mm -hmm. in America, bro. And I'm not even exaggerating. I'm talking about, like, uh, I don't know if you heard him telling the story about uh, when him and Tip was with uh, Dick Gregory. And Dick Gregory, he was like, he cut us out for 45 minutes. Yeah. He said, so, Dick, what, what should we do? Should we, should we march? March? What the fuck are you going to march for? We marched 50, 50 years ago. He was like, so how can we get everything together? You can't, nigga. It's over with. Yeah. Like nigga, like real shit. This yeah. shit over. Like I, because I'm still living, I try to keep hope. But when I still see ten thousand people in a mega church and multiple mega churches, you feel me? I know this shit ain't. It ain't like when I still hear people saying that. Like me, I, what I believe in, I can. You feel me? I can prove it to you. Like I believe the black woman is the god of this planet. You feel me? And the sun is the most high. If you want me to explain, I can explain. The sun, if that bitch go out, everything on this planet dies. You can read a book till you're blue in the face. Everything on this planet will die. That's the sustainer of life on this planet. The black woman is the ushering of the people for the planet. Everybody came through a black woman. You feel me? Like she's the oldest creature on the planet outside of 
the things that have uh, evolved and like lost hair, got smaller, long neck. Besides those things, she was around. She's been around for years. Like that's why they have. That's why our women have big legs and big ass. That's muscle memory from how long they've been walking on this planet. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So, like, the things that I hold reverence to, I'm gonna be able to look at and I'm gonna be able to tell you why. You feel me? Like I know that if you take the black woman and break her down molecularly, you can make everything on this planet die. Every living thing, from the bear, dog, frog, cat, dog, beetle, bugs, butterfly, whatever the fuck you could think of. It's a piece of that life in her. And that's why that's what I was saying about Killer Mike. He made it so like we have to stop. As black people first and people in general. If you don't agree with somebody, y'all should be able to talk about it and go your separate ways. Man, you know what black people gotta be violent. Nothing. We need to do what the Jewish people do. You feel me? What the Spanish people do. What the uh, 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 Italian people do. You feel me? All these people inside their uh, culture, they have monetary, you feel me? It's a monetary gain. And it's only because they're diligent enough to pay 125 every month. You feel me? To the culture. 125, 125, all 15, 20 million of them, 125 every month, every month. So in the event that somebody is in need, we got them. And then, but we have such a broken system from slavery. Uh, as long as you, I'm glad you said that. We have a broken say, it wasn't our choice. From slavery, that if Dell is doing something wrong, I need to tell Master, and so we could break it apart, right. and then I'm going to be looked at as good, and then. The chains are gone, but are they gone? No, they're on your brain now. They're on your brain now. Like, like you don't, you don't, you can't even wrap. Like, we, our people can't even wrap our minds around what we've been taught and told not being the truth. It's like you were taught and told this shit by people who didn't even think you was human. You feel me? And still livestock, dog. Literally, literally livestock. Literal. Chatter, like nigga, we sell nigga, you are the equivalent to a horse. On a ship, a few of them gonna die, we gonna write them off. Nigga, literally livestock. What what they not gonna tell you is somewhat like some of them die, but a lot of them motherfuckers was jumping off. They were like, nigga, we'd rather be dead than to be in bondage and fucking somebody slave. They always talk about give me liberty or give me death, but they never talk about that either. Right. Oh yeah, they can't. They, they, they can. never talk they can. about because that. Because they know like see, all this stuff is is it's like it's perfect. You feel me? It's perfect for manipulation. Mm. You feel me? Because the manipulation is coming. Like, see, when I was a kid, and probably the reason why I'm able to, you know, disseminate, discern from different things is because when when I was a kid, we didn't have the mental attack of the world all day, every day. At some point, we weren't around the TV. We was outside playing football, basketball, baseball, wrestling. We was doing something outside that disconnected us from the TV. Mm-hmm. Now, we got a TV, iPad, smartphone, iPhone, every day, all day. You are trying, you feel me? You in that mug, you being affected by what? Like, whatever you're going through, you look and see people in Jamaica living their best life, but you don't know that they just sucked the fat, hairy cracker dick to get that. <laughs> yeah. You feel me? So, like, we just gotta we just gotta change our, our our way of thinking, man. And I don't I don't see it happen no time soon, man. Like man, I don't think I'm gonna be alive. To see it's that like, happen, and really. that's what I'm trying to do. That's why you know I don't know. I feel a connection when I just meet certain people, and then it happens. It all comes together. Whether you believe the universe, right. whether you believe it's God, whatever, right. whatever, it comes together. And this comment, because I had no idea we was going to go here, but mm-hmm. I know comedians are smart. Mm-hmm. So it was like, hey, and the smart thing to do, too, is, like, disagree with your brother. Right. Get punched in the face yeah, sometimes. Like, hey, disagreeing. You know, disagreeing. Disagreements wrong. are healthy. It, but it's just yeah. like we have to stop that because it's not enough of us to be disagreeing to the point where I'm not going to talk to you forever. I'm not right. going to deal with you no more. Right. It need to be like, hey, Daryl, you believe that? I believe that, but I love you as a brother. I love you as a human being, but I'm going to believe that. my belief. Right. You know, and then... And I, I, I I'm not the type of person who would ever try to force 
my mindset on anybody. Like I, I was talking to D.L. Hughley, and um, I was I, like I was I was I was watching his podcast like for about maybe two about two three months, like faithfully every day. And you know he he would he was he would be talking about the things that I talk about, and you know talking about the things that I was learning. And when he was talking to these people, they wouldn't get mad. You feel me? But the people I would talk to about the same topics, they would get mad, and it would get it would it would it would turn contentious. You feel me? It turned into like because you're not in. That's but what he told me, he was like he was like man, he was like he was like Daryl, he was like you're not gonna change none of these motherfuckers. You gotta understand that this shit has been put in them for, for the last five hundred years, every day for the last two. You feel me? Like every day on some level, they hitting you with the agenda. The, the politics You know what I mean The policies So that's all day So he was like What you just gonna have to do is Worry about your kids Teach your kids And in, in the event That you get a chance To talk to people And talk to other people Just plant seeds You feel me Say some shit That just make them think Don't try to tell them What it is Just say some shit To make them think That be like Hit them And comedy does that A lot of time Like it's like they say tears of a clown. They say laughing my pain. A lot of com- comedians are broken. Man. They're hurt, and you know, they. Like, man, I lost use my mom last last year on Father's Day. You feel me? Like I, I, I still do. Like I literally cry every night. Yeah. You feel me? Like, and people want to like they want to care, but they don't know how to care. You feel me? Like. You can't tell somebody who lost the one person that they've seen their entire life. You can't tell them to try to move forward. First thing I say is, hey, look, before we start this conversation, do you have your mom? Yeah, my mom's not. Okay, well, listen, this conversation is going to go nowhere because you're going to be talking to me from the standpoint of somebody who has your mom. You're not feeling what I'm feeling. You feel me? Like, you don't, like, I had to take my, my, my girl to the hospital. You feel me? I had to take my girl to the hospital and motherfucking, uh, she got them, like, when I was in that motherfucker, when they wanted to take her in the room, I couldn't even go in the room. You feel me? Because it's a traumatic uh, That shit started, like, all that shit started hitting me, and I was like, let me go out. I went out and sat in the fucking truck. And when she came out, nigga, I was waking up. Like, nigga, I can't, that shit, just, like, fucked me up. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah, and, and, I, I, and I don't even know what to say, because some people don't like what you say. I'm sorry. Some people don't like me. You say rest in peace. Yeah. But I think the best way for me, I had like an awakening in me probably like a month ago. I got real pissed off at my job and I was doing insanity. Like insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting over and over and over, expecting it different. So I'm going to the same job. I'm getting mad at the same things and I keep repeating this cycle. I'll get over it and repeat this cycle. When you reach that point where you don't really give a fuck and you know that you're going to make it no matter what, I really start going hard on this podcast and, like, I've been getting yeses to people like, oh, shit, and I already know this right here is great yeah. from the conversations That's we have already. Because, because your, your, your tongue is very, very powerful, especially in this realm of life. You feel me? Like, that's what people don't understand. Like, all you got to do is say it. You say it and believe it, it's going to happen. Like, I, like... Man, you can, you can well, I would I would put you on the phone with my girl right now. Nigga, my girl used to worry like a motherfucker. Worry, 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 worry. Oh, we need this for the bills. We need that for the bills. This, that, that. We need this. We need, and, I, and, I, and I got her to the point where I'm like, listen, I don't worry about shit like that. Like, I know the universe is going to provide. All the universe is asking me to do is move. That's all I got to do. And I really move. think it's that motion because when I really... With for man, I got this computer on credit. I said I really need to invest in this shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, my wife got good credit. Right. <laughs> hey, babe, I need to get this computer. Right. Go to the Apple Store, get the computer. You Once move you towards talking. you move towards certain things, and you never know what'll happen. And it's, it's just gonna like, snowball yeah. because it's like if you if you got positive energy, that's magnetic. It's gonna draw people to you. You yeah. feel me? Because in a world of so much negative and trying to make light out of negativity and desensitizing us like it's gonna be a point where you're gonna be able to see a motherfucker get their face blew off right in front of you and you just gonna be like oh shit yeah nigga just got shot even even when a lot of these rappers come from the hood right right 
And a dude will run up on them and put their phone like, yo, with my boy. Like, yo, you got to relax. Because if I blow your head off, it's like, I'm wrong. But I'm like, now I'm a celebrity. I can't think mm-hmm. like that no more. People don't really understand that. And it's just like, we really have to change everything. You really have to get to a point to where your happiness. I went to a lecture with Cam Kirk, photographer. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, my happiness is the number one thing. And tunnel vision and those things really, really stuck out to me is that you have to get to a point you could lose everything around you. But if you're happy with your woman or your family or whatever, mm-hmm. what the fuck is material? What For is real? material like, as man. long as you Anything happy. that you can replace, man, is not like because you can't replace family. And like, and that's, that's, dope. that's good that you said something about the entertainment business. It's like it's hard for me to meet not just women, people. You feel me? Because I'm like one of them real private motherfuckers, you feel me? Like, I don't like people in my business, you feel me? Because I know that everybody don't have your best interests at heart, you feel me? A lot of people just want to come in to see what they can find out. And like I was just telling my my other little homegirl, I was telling her, she trying to tell me, now my mom good people, now my best friend good people. I'm like, listen, they good people because you know them. I don't know them. And I know for a fact that if somebody offered them $250,000 $250,000 to give them some information about me. Exactly. They're going to take the fucking two fifty, nigga. Yeah. You can say, no, they wouldn't do it. Listen, man, have you ever seen these motherfuckers in a $250,000 deal situation? Do, do people understand that it's real killers that rat these codes of the street? Come so on, who are you to a killer that will blow your head off if he's snitching? Exactly. Ooh, it's a lot of, like, people, it's this... And I'm saying 250000 when I know that that takes seventeen. Exactly. And give me every and tell them everything, especially they got it in nigga. Man. You give you give a nigga two thousand ones, and and fifteen thousand in a hundred. So tell everyone know. I mean, it, it's just uh, it's so important that everybody, because a lot of people working these jobs and doing whatever, and they so worried. Your happiness is key. If that shit ain't That's making you important. happy, whether you're in a relationship, whether you whatever, if that shit ain't make like people will like. Well, I can't leave this person because, like, bro, if they bring you down, if the anything bring you to down, me. And, and even even down to parents, as hard as that could be, some parents know they can fuck with you and get over on you, and they will use you to the point to where they know they can hurt you. They know they got you. They living in your house. They ain't paying no bills. Mm-hmm. They arguing about who you bring in your own house. Mm-hmm. You're like, damn, I know you raised me, but God damn, like, this is my shit. Me, I'm, I'm, now. I'm not I'm not one of those kids. You yeah. feel me? Like, I, like man, I, like, my mom, that was my best friend. Yeah. You feel me? But she knew when I was adamant about her staying out of this life. Because I'd be lying if I said my mom didn't live with me and one of my girlfriends before. And you know when we get into it, she'll come chime in and say her little piece, and I I have to hey mom 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 hey listen I'm thirty years old, go over there I don't want to hear nothing you talking about exactly. go and you know she got to the point where she was like yeah, well, I guess he is thirty you know it's that right mental right. strain though that like we all in order for us to be better we gotta stop being insane we're doing the same shit over and over and over expecting another result so if somebody really in your life and they love you when you disagree with them or you tell them like hey don't do that that's not cool they may be mad at first but hey they'll get over it see like me i'm 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 sensitive you feel me like and i tell women that all the time like i'm sensitive not like a punk but sensitive like i might snap and you won't think it's that serious you feel me? It's like you might, I might be eating some wings with fries. I tell you, I don't really fuck with fries, so you feel like it's cool for you to grab reach in my plate and eat a fry. I might not have an issue with you eating a fry, but what you don't know is I was paying attention two hours ago when you dug in your nose in the car and you ain't been in the house to wash your hands yet and you just touched my chicken. Now I'm about to take all this shit and throw it out the goddamn window. Man, hand sanitation on another note. I could do a whole podcast. My wife has really got me into it. Mm. I feel like I wash my hands. And one thing, I worked in the hospital before. That's I'm like, they're going to tell us some magical thing about not getting sick. The number one thing is to wash your hands. That's it. That, your that, hand that, touches, your yeah. hand touches your face all the time. You, yeah, you touch the doorknob. You touch, oh, yeah, you touch on, any, huh? like, nobody knows who is here, what they exactly. were doing. You don't know they dug in their naked ass. Man, none of that. None of that. So yeah, You got pink eye. 
So, so comedy, we really went off into a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we did it. Mm-hmm. But comedy, how did you find comedy and want to get into it? Uh, actually, how I started doing comedy, I never really had a thought about being, even though people called me Sinbad, it was never like uh, in the forefront. It was never even a part of my mind. Like, I always watched comedy. Like, I remember watching Def Jam. I remember watching, uh, uh, you know, comedy. different... Yeah, uh, shit. Uh, Damon Wayans special, Chris Rock special, uh, Martin, Lawrence. Martin Lawrence specials. Like I, I've been watching comedy, but as to say that it was something that I had inspired to do would be a lie. It just came from the fact that, like, like I said, I've always been able to make people laugh, and I used to be a hood. You know, I used to be a hood nigga in the streets, selling dope, you know, weed, whatever. So. I would hang around. It would be a lot of people doing the same thing. This is back in the late 90s, 96, 97, 98. Statue of limitations. Right. No, no, I'm saying this is just yeah. the time. This is just the time. And everybody's selling drugs, so we all hang together. I'm always making everybody laugh. And we was all just standing around talking. And on the radio, they was uh, talking about Ryan Cameron had a comedy night. And like I just told you, I've, I've, like, I've always been able to make people and I'm not talking about like just oh, he's silly no like motherfucker be dying crying laughing because yeah, of some shit I just said or did so we all just hanging around and shit and uh, Ryan Cameron had a comedy show at 112 back then and all my partners was like dude you gotta do that shit bro you gotta do that shit nigga we'll pay whatever it costs to get you on stage nigga blah 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 yada 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 so I'm like man I ain't doing that shit they're like dude bro you gotta do this shit man so they pump me up pump me up pump me up we go up there I'm too young, you feel me? I'm 19. They're like, ah. I was like, I'll be 20 in October. They was like, okay, well, if you be 20 in October, if you come back the next October, you'll be 21, then you can get in. I'm like, oh, fuck. So I, I meet some other comedians. Some other, they were like, oh, shit, you trying to do comedy? I was like, yeah, man, but they saying I'm too young. And uh, it was uh, a, a comedian named Ernesto Ross. He was like, uh, he was like, hey, man, I know a spot where they let you, where they let you get on. I'm like, where? So he told me about a club named Dudley's on Keller Road. It's called something else now. It's right next to Chit Chat. You know, if you know where Chit Chat is, right next to Chit Chat. So I, I went over there for probably about four or five months. Like I was going every Wednesday, every Wednesday. And then as I started getting my confidence on stage, you know, other comedians were like, man, you need to take that shit to Uptown, man. Like you ready, you ready for an Uptown stage. That's the big so, one here. Yeah, so I got them, uh, this was when uh, Uptown was on Peachtree Street, behind Houston. I used to go to that one. I used to be, once I found out about that, I was there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like, back when I first started, it was a comedy show every night of the week, at least two or three. Like, on Monday, we'd do two, three shows. Tuesday, two, three shows. Wednesday, two, three shows. Thursday, two, three shows. Wanted to do Uptown, like, because see, Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday was another open mic night. But Friday and Saturday, that's when the dopest crowds used to be in that motherfucker. That's when the working people, you wanted some of that. And like, nigga, I remember Scope, Scope Bubble, that was my guy, man, rest his soul. He was like, uh, nah, Daryl, you too nasty, man. These people don't want to hear what you about to say. So and then I started dialing it down. Like, okay, you know what I mean? Because I used to be, shit, the raunchiest, nigga. That, all I used to talk about was sex. Sex, 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 hey, nigga. Horses running blood, why not fucking blood? Like that type of shit. <laughs> right, so, you know, just you know, comedy, comedy kind of just, it wasn't something that I pursued. You feel me? It just became my pursuit. You feel me? It's not like I was like, man, I want to be a comedian. It was just like these niggas put me in a position almost the same way, like I'm a great swimmer. Almost the same way I became a swimmer. Like, my homeboys was watching me swim like a fish in the three and four or five feet. They're like, man, Sinbad, you can swim, man. I'm like, nah, I ain't going in the eight feet. So I fucked around and went and walked by the eight feet on some trying to go to the other side of the gate or some shit. And the nigga just ran and pushed me in. So as I went in, as soon as I got in the water, instinct was just swim. I'm under the water. And I'm like, damn, I can swim. Kind of the same way with comedy, man. I just, you know, I knew how to do it well. Like, I always made people laugh. I'm talking about, at, bro, I'm not even bullshit, 12, 13, making full adults laugh. Like, hard laugh, tears crying laugh. So, you know what I mean? It just was something that just was, it was in me, but 
I, you know, I was around people who pushed me to get on the platform to be a comedian. And once I got up there, man, I, man, I was bit, man. I was bit by the fucking bug, man. I've been on, I've been on drugs ever since, man. <laughs> on drugs and comedy. And now bombing is a big thing. Now, everybody's fear and why they don't get up there. Now, can you talk about a time where you bombed? What it taught you, and like, how do you learn from that? Now, what does it feel? Bomb the. the well, bombing is like bombing is when people don't, don't laugh. laugh. Right, right. For it, people, it's only you don't know when people just don't think you're funny. Right. It's 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 genuinely only happened to me two times. It literally it's only like because the saying in the comedy world is if you if you find a comedian that say he never did had a bad set and never bombed, I'll show you a liar. You feel me? So every comedian has had a bad set or a bad you know stage performance or whatever but the two times that it happened to me I was in New York you feel me so and this was what 2002 2003 so I'm 22 21 22 I'm stupid hood nigga you feel me like I'm super hood I'm nigga so when I'm going to New York in my mind I'm like nigga I'm about to be the country's nigga in New York so when I get on stage, I'm like, shit, what's up, goddamn? Hey, man, this your boy, Darren Dan, man. We in this motherfucker, man. Y'all ready to goddamn get your laugh on? The niggas yeah. like... And this was 2002 before yeah. the music in Atlanta. Right. Exactly. To go. I'm like, them niggas looking... I, I actually heard somebody say, yo, son, I ain't know they was going to have retarded niggas in there, son. Yeah. Like, yo, this nigga's retarded. Yeah. I'm telling them niggas didn't laugh at all. And then the second time it happened, I was performing for a crowd of West Indies. You feel me? I'm thinking West End. They I'm are like, like hard, bruh, to get to laugh, nigga. And it's not even, it's Seriously. not even that, it's not even that they was hard to get to laugh because I seen them laughing, so I thought I was gonna be able to do it. But it's already a language barrier for them and New Yorkers. You feel me? Now a nigga from the South that they ain't never heard of talk. They don't even come to the South. They come to this motherfucking nigga. They trying to get to New York because they know they got a big population there. So they don't even know shit about the South. So when I start talking, they like, why man on why why man on why why they fucking talk both man be kind of everybody seeing me hear about all that shit. You feel me? So it's like nigga that that. But then was the only two times. But see the good thing about doing comedy in Atlanta, and I tell comedians this shit all over the country. The reason we have so many good comedians in Atlanta is because we practice. Like when we just do open mics, we practice in front of the country every night. And I mean the whole country, because when we do shows, nobody at these shows are from Atlanta. If you ask them who from Atlanta, maybe three motherfuckers. Everybody else from New York, New Jersey, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Alabama, North Carolina, you know, everybody from everywhere else. So that's what we get to practice in front of. Like, like I might go somewhere and a comedian that do okay here when I get to the net to the state that they just left, they're like, "Hey, nigga, do you know a nigga named George Jackson?" <laughs> Be like, "Yeah, what about?" Him? Like, man, he funny, funny than a mother. It's, and, and you know that's a great point. I talked about also in the last podcast. I had another Atlanta native that it's like I was at the one music fest and they like. Everybody like ten thousand, however many people there. Everybody from Atlanta makes some noise. Uh, if you're from somewhere else, everybody is just like having. If you from Atlanta, make some noise. And it's it's sad to me because it's so rich in culture, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful that they open the doors. I mean, they didn't really have a choice, but they open the doors to like outsiders. But it's sad that you know it's like. This was an Atlanta thing, and then now it's an everybody thing, and it's like it's it's, it's cool. It's cool because that's just the culture of Atlantans. You feel me? Like whether it's entertain, whether it's music, whether it's comedy, whether it's movies. In Atlanta, we genuinely will help each other if we can. You feel me? We, what we're not gonna do is fuck up our money to make sure you make some money. Mm-hmm. But in the event that we can help you get in a better position, we're gonna do it. Like in New York. Don't do that, nigga. In New York, nigga, is one motherfucker want to be the best rapper. He want to be the nigga at the top. You feel me? Anybody else under him, you feel me? He ignore him. He don't really help him. They might ask for some help, and he won't even help him. In Atlanta, like for rappers, you might be in the studio doing your own shit. Like if you had fucking uh uh uh, uh 
But any of these fucking studios where the celebrities be like T.I. Studio, J.D., any of them studios, like I'm trying to think of the, fuck, the name, the studio that um, Tree Sounds, Tree House, uh, Tree um, uh, Tree Sound, uh, Goddamn, Street Execs, uh, yeah, that what was the, uh, what was the um, the uh, studio that uh, that uh, Bank Bankroll Fresh got killed at? Um, I think uh, it was Street Execs or the Hood Ridge, wherever. Hood Ridge, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but when you go to like, if you are a rapper that have the money to be able to go in those studios, you can actually pop because Two Chain might walk in that bitch, Tip might walk in that motherfucker, any of these niggas might walk in that motherfucker, and if they hear your beat and they like your beat, they gonna come jump on that motherfucker. You feel me? They be like, hey, nigga, you could you could take the bitch on the road and perform the bitch and make the money, but. I own the rights to it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pay you for the rights to the motherfucker yeah. so I can own it. Exactly. But you can go on the road and, you know, get your money off tour dates with the shit if you want to. And that's all a nigga really be wanting, nigga. Shit, you just made me $40,000. Yeah, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about because I always want to keep it real with people. People like, like, hey, how is it? So financially, how hard is it to be like, because everybody like, oh, I want to quit my job and follow my passion. How hard is it to really keep that stable I'm glad I, I'm glad I started doing comedy when I did. You feel me? 19 years old when I had minimal responsibility. Big you feel point. Me? Because, it, but but see the the thing about comedy, like this is how I know I'm supposed to be doing comedy, because anything I ever need, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm not bullshitting. I'll tell you a couple stories in a second, but anything that I've ever been in need of, comedy has provided in a timely fashion. You feel me? Like, I'm, I'm going to give you two stories. I was on probation. I needed $1,000. The, uh, the probation officer was like, listen, if you don't have $1,000 by next month, I'm going to go ahead and lock you up and we'll, take, we'll, we'll convert your time into the money or whatever. So I'm like, fuck. I ain't going to worry about it. Motherfucker, my partner called me. Hey, man, can you be in a... I forgot where I was at. Can you, can you come to Africa? But, you know, I got $1,100 for you. Bet I'm on the way. Get up there, do the show, get the $1,000, send that shit to him, keep me out of jail. That's one story. Second story, I was at the old Uptown Comedy Corner on Marietta Street, right? I, the girl that I was, that I was with, we needed $150 for the light bill. I had 50. Now I was thinking, I was like, okay, I got 50. Should I go and try to find a hundred, try to find a way to get up on a hundred dollars, or should I take the fifty, buy fifty DVDs, a dollar a piece, buy fifty DVDs, go do a show, and hope I sell fifteen DVDs to have the one fifty and still have another thirty-five DVDs, which would be another three fifty in money, you know what I mean, in product. Mm -hmm. So I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna buy the DVDs, right? Bought the DVDs, went went did a show at uptown, kicked them in the ass. And after the show, right, I'm out there selling DVDs. Comedy DVDs gonna get you one in before the quarter, a hundred dimes, ten, you know what I mean, twenty nickels, a hundred pennies, blah, 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 whatever. A thousand pennies. So, you know, I'm out there selling for ten dollars a piece. A dude walk up to me and was like, hey, uh, oh, you got a DVD? I was like, yeah. He was like, how much you selling them for? I was like, ten dollars. He was like, so, like, how many you got? I was like, shit, I got fifty. He was like, uh, yeah, man, I'm gonna buy them all, man. I'm uh, you know, you just give them out to people. So what I owe you? I was like, well, I got fifty of them, you know, and ten dollars a piece. You know, ten times fifty is five hundred every day of the week, right? He was like, so I, I know that, but what I owe you? I was like, shit, I got fifty. So ten dollars a piece. So like, I think I'm pretty sure that's five hundred. He was like, man, I heard what you said, but what I owe you? I was like, man, give me two hundred dollars. <laughs> and it's getting me off Tinder and left. Man, that nigga, that, nigga, that, gave, I, I got my one fifty and fifty dollars to play around. Yeah, you go get you something. To eat I got some weed, man. <laughs> I got everything I need, and and ever since then, man, I'd be like, man, I'm not even gonna worry, man. And then the dude left. Like I could have still been a shitty person and still been selling. You feel me? But I was like, no, uh, universe ain't gonna look out for me like that. Nah, no. shit, I'm no. You gave them bitches out. You got gave them bitches out. Hell yeah, they was like, no, I, I don't have any money to buy. I'm like, no, somebody already bought them for you. Y'all go ahead. Yeah. They was like, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody bought these shit. 
So joking on the crowd, like, how are they? Have you ever got somebody to be really mad at you? Or, like, how are Because when I seen you, I think you, you said a joke, but it was like, it's a joke. It's not like I'm really trying to demean you right. or nothing like that. Right. It's that's like, no, nah, I'm just fucking with you. That's, so that's, how is it? That's it's, When it comes to the crowd, delivery is everything. You feel me? Like, you can say, you can say anything to a person, but how you say it is where you're going to get your reaction. Like... I can be on stage. That's in life too. Yeah, period. That's way. that's just in general. You that's feel me? Like life. delivery is everything. So I've mastered the art of my delivery. You feel me? Like you'll get a shitty response from the crowd if you look like you mad and you serious. But if you look like you just having fun talking shit, calling somebody ugly or calling somebody fat or saying somebody look like a breast thing or whatever you're saying, long as you look like you having fun and it's comical to you. The crowd gonna ride with you, but the first time you be like, "Yeah, bitch, if you don't shut the fuck up, yeah. the fuck is wrong with yeah. your dumb ass? Yeah. Bitch, you retarded, yeah. bitch. I know you got too many crumbs on you, goofy hoe." <laughs> crowd gonna be like, "God damn, yeah, like, right. what's wrong with you?" Yeah, that's something might be wrong with him. That's just let's just laugh so that he don't fuck with us and get fucked up. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just you know, it's all about delivery is everything, man. You know, I, I don't, I try not to like. I feel like I'm funny enough to not have to talk about you if you talking. It's because you either want to get my attention or you just want to be a part of the show because oh. I feel like I'm the type. Like, my style of comedy is entertaining. Like, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. You're going to have fun. You're going to remember something I said. So, like, just do that. Nigga, you don't got to be seen. You're scared to get up here, but you want everybody to see you. Exactly. I'm going to make you famous. Yeah, and that's why what I knew you were a good comedian is that you use the mic, you use the crowd, you use everything because a simple... If you hit the mic a certain way, I remember you said something about somebody, something fell out his tooth and you made a noise. It's working the mic, working the crowd. And me and my wife, we love like natural comedy. Like, and I I get that all the time. People be like, your jokes don't even seem like jokes. It just seems like you just talking to us. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, even like the super bads, the dry, it's like, Dry comedy, but mm. it's funny. It's yeah, funny. I love dry they, comedy. They saying like they saying something random, like oh yeah, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Jump in front of his spit? Mm. It's like this is hilarious, but it's like simple. Mm. It's not like they're trying too hard. Because less is more, man. That's the thing about entertainment. Less is more. It's like if you're doing a lot, your point is not gonna get across. But I can just tell somebody, hey, watch your mouth, and keep going about my set. And the way I say it, watch your mouth, and let them know, okay, yeah, yeah you're not joking. Yeah, and just like Chris Tucker, like you said about delivery, his voice already is like he's not threatening. If he's right. like, God damn, man, yeah, what that, you doing? You over here looking at me? Like, it's out like of him for anybody. It's like, God damn, your breath stinks. It's like, oh man, you like, funny. stupid niggas have a breath stinks. Yeah. Oh. Man, right. you funny as hell. But I mean, that's what it is. I think it. So, last thing when you're ready to wrap it up here, mm-hmm. I was like, man. This dude is really funny. I want everybody to check him out. We're going to give you all the info before we leave. But for me, I've been joked on. Let me take my hat off. Mm-hmm. I've been joked on about my forehead. Mm-hmm. The funniest thing ever was a Mexican dude I work with. He said, yo, do you pay your barber full price? Because that fucking forehead is, you should pay half off. That was number one. When I was younger, they used to always say, I'm a crackhead. Because I got in the car accident, I got this scar. They're like, boy, you're a crackhead. But then when I got to middle school, they called me fucking Harry Potter. That shit was hilarious. Right. So I was like, and recently, my nephews have called me Megamind from the movie. Hilarious. The blue one. So it was it was hilarious. Right. So so the people know your style. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. If you see me in the crowd talking shit, heckling you, what I got on today, what I look like, what would you say? I'll tell you, uh, you got a little ass head, you probably look through a peephole with both eyes. I'd be like, uh, that forehead big as hell, you could probably start a face on it. At least get the eyes and the nose on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd probably say, uh, this nigga's a mis- miscarriage. He a miscarriage that pulls through and raised himself. He's uglier than a motherfucker. He's like, fuck that, I'm going to the club tonight and raised himself. Oh, man, man, I just appreciate it. Because it's just like, that's what I'm trying to get people, bro. 
this is what I've been living by lately. We don't know when our last second, minute, anything is. Bro, just live. Don't stress about that job. You know, every t- you know, give yourself a moment because I'm not saying everybody somebody just got shot and you should be like, Oh well fuck it, it's a great day. No. I'm right. saying We understand you're human. Yeah, deal but, with it, but hold it in for a little bit and let's right. find a solution. Yeah, That's man. all we on. See me, I thought and what I tell females that I deal with when they start questioning me about shit and you know, all that shit, I'd be like, Hey they be like, You just act like you don't care. It's not that I don't care. It's just I'd rather be happy. You feel me? Like, bitch, you just want to be mad. You're looking for shit. It's like, if you ever go through my phone, like any chick, if you ever go through my phone and you find something, I'm leaving. I don't want to, I'm not about to try to explain what it is. You went through my phone and you found something. If I stay with you, you're going to be accusing me of shit for the next two years. It's over. When trust is gone, there's no it's point. Over. It's over. literally, like, even when... Nah, she- but like, my old lady now? Solid, fool. Bro, I'm talking, nigga, I was fucking with a chick. Me and the chick recorded ourselves, nigga. She set the fucking recording to my girl, nigga. My girl slapped shit out of me. Pow! I slapped shit out of her back. Pow! <laughs> she went upstairs. Y'all played rock and soccer, man. It was up no, right after that. Because I was, but, but I was about to leave her, though. You know, I was really thinking about leaving her. And, you know, this little motherfucker was fine as hell. And, you know, got caught up a little bit. I only seen her, but I was, what? I did, it was in Kentucky. I, I did the comedy club for about a year. But I would be only be up there for one or two days. And it was once a month, so it was like I fucking probably seen her. Fucked her maybe 14 times. <laughs> <laughs> man, life is too short, man. Where can they find you before we get out of here? Oh, man, you can find me on all social media engines, man, under Daryl Dam. On Snapchat, it's going to be ddam8058. But everything else, Daryl Dam. D A R R Y L. Damn, D-A-M-N, like Daryl, damn. I host Uptown Comedy Corner on Saturdays. That's 397 North Central Avenue, Hayville, Georgia. Then I host uh, 707 Lounge on Fridays. And that's uh, address 707 uh, Highway 138, Riverdale, Georgia. Man, thank you, thank you. And before we get out of here, i like to do this with all my guests. I narrowed down to five years, speaking into existence in five years. Where will you be at? What will you be doing? Uh, I'm hoping to, uh, well, I'm not going to say hoping. I, I plan to have the money that I, you know, I'm because really all I want is about $7 million. If I get $7 million, I'm going go to I'm gonna move to the woods, build me a big old house, and live out there, grow my own weed, grow my own fruit, hunt, deal, you know, live my, you know I mean, live self-sufficient. And you know, get get uh, solar panels and shit so that the sun can you know run my house or whatever. Acon, shout out to Acon. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I mean, my plan in the next five because in five years I'll be forty four. So more yeah, life. Yeah, for you know that, that, that I should have about another twenty five to do on Earth. You feel me? That's solid. Yeah, I, I want that last twenty five to be you know a good twenty five where I'm just riding dirt bikes and four wheelers and you know having fun enjoying life man because I can't do it with my baby so with my mom so like that's the only thing that kind of eat me up is that when all the success start coming she gonna see it but I kind of wanted her to experience it with me that shit eat me up sometimes I just try not to let it as much but when it does it definitely consumes me yeah, and not just, you know, because you said that. I never know what to say to nobody because I know, like, that's a sensitive subject. But before we get out of here, I just want to dedicate this podcast to everybody who lost, you know, their parents or they love their mom, like their parents, that or whoever it was in your life that was really your rock and you having problems dealing with it, you know, know you're not alone and this is recorded.